Do you think you might benefit from connections at bar association events, but find the thought of going to one panic-inducing? You're not alone. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and on today's Asked and Answered, business development coach Larry Cohn tells us about some good ways lawyers can make connection at bar events and maybe even enjoy themselves. Larry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. It's great to be here. First question for you, if you're nervous about attending a bar association event or any kind of networking event, what are some good ways that you can build yourself up and maybe calm yourself down before you go? Well, I think the most important thing to do is to is to consider why you're nervous. There's probably one of two reasons. Either you're nervous because you think it's a waste of time, um, and uh, or you're nervous because you think it's going to be an embarrassing experience. So these are two very real fears, and they have to be dealt with. But the key, of course, to any networking event is that it's well-targeted. If there are good people in the room, people that could be clients, people that could be referral sources, then, uh, then you'll be less concerned about wasting your time. So if you're concerned, it may be that the event that you're going to isn't well-targeted or you don't know who's going to be there, in which case you should try to find out. And the second issue is that if you're not clear about what your goal is in networking, then you might feel very worried or uncomfortable. Most people really misunderstand the goal of working a room the goal is to do research. It is not a social experience. So many people that we deal with think that the reason that they go is to socialize and to brag about how great their, their skills are or how great their law firm is. And, and of course you would feel uncomfortable if you thought that the purpose of going was to make friends or, or false friendships that you will then try to turn into clients. So the goal is research. You're there to find out, is this a good place for me to be spending my time in the future? Who are the people that are, are there? Why are they there? What are their needs? If you really think of yourself as a reporter going to an event with the purpose of finding out the information that's important to you, then you'll feel good about it. So if you're nervous and you're afraid that the targets aren't good, do a better job of researching your targets. If you're nervous because um, you feel as though it's going to be embarrassing. It won't be embarrassing if you're there to do research. All right. What's your advice about introducing yourself to a target who you haven't met before? Maybe you met briefly and he or she doesn't remember who you are. Well, you know, if you have met somebody and you're afraid that they won't remember you, it's perfectly appropriate to say, forgive me, but I've, uh, you know, I've forgotten your name. And just be upfront about it. You know, the, the key here is to be true and sincere about who you are and what you bring to the table. Your whole goal in, in developing business is to, prove, is to demonstrate that you have the characteristics that somebody would want to uh, have when they were working with you. And, and one of those is somebody who's a straight shooter, who tells the truth and who speaks from the heart. And so if you don't remember somebody's name, then, uh, then you don't remember it. But you could certainly walk up to somebody and say, may I introduce myself? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment like a bar association. You could just walk up to people and say hello. So we have our big American Bar Association annual meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. Do you have advice for those big bar events that are not just one night but take place like over a weekend? What kind of advice do you have for something like that, where you're there a couple of days, you're going to see faces over and over? What's your specific advice for a larger bar event? 
Well, first of all, uh, there's really not that much difference between a large event and a small event, uh, uh, other than the fact that there's just more people. When there's a large event, you have access to more people and you have the ability to uh, to reach out to them just as you would in a smaller event. The goal in any event is to be familiar with who's going to be there. So doing your homework in advance is really important. Think about the people that you'd really want to meet so that you can ask around when you're talking to somebody. You say, by the way, I'm really interested in meeting so-and-so. Do you know that person or have you seen that person? Uh, try to figure out where that person or those people might be attending, which, which programs are they going to be going to, so that you increase the likelihood of having face time with quality targets. I think one of the mistakes that people make in working a room is that they underestimate the number of people that they could actually interact with. The goal is to really bump up the numbers. You can go into a room and meet 30 or 40 people without too much difficulty in a very short period of time if you're very focused on that process. But what most people do is they meet somebody that they know, they think, thank goodness, I found somebody that I can talk to, and they chat with them the whole time instead of doing what they should be doing, which is really focusing on increasing the numbers. It's a mistake to think that you could meet with somebody and chat with them for a long enough period of time that they would actually bond with you and want to do business with you. Uh, the process of developing that kind of relationship may take many years, so the goal at working a room is to bump up the numbers. That's a key, key issue. And, of course, at a big event, you have more numbers than at a small event. Right. Do you have tips on how to appear approachable? Like if you're in the corner on your phone, people are probably not going to approach you. But if you look pleasant and make eye contact, people probably will approach you. I mean, what are your thoughts? on? Besides you look approaching people, I think it's nice to be approached as well. Well, it is nice. It's unlikely that somebody's just going to walk up to you. Uh, but the, the fact is that, uh, that keeping a small smile on your face is very important because it's very common when you're serious or engaged that you have a little bit of a stern face. And, uh, and when you're stern, uh, people might interpret that as being unapproachable or unhappy about being there. So to have a pleasant smile, I like to call it a Madonna smile. It's not a grin. But it's just it's a smile that basically says, I'm happy to be here, and I look forward to meeting you. What's really important, though, is not to wait around for people to approach you, because it will almost never happen, unless they know you, in which case then you probably don't need to see them again, although there would be benefit in seeing them. But the goal is to put yourself in situations where you meet more people. One of the best ways to do that is to do something that we call a counterintuitive tip, which is to pick the longest drink line at the event. The, the, the normal behavior would be to pick the shortest drink line so that you could get your drink quickly. But if you pick a long drink line, then you're sandwiched in between the person in front of you and the person behind you while you're waiting in line. And, and it, it, it's inevitable that you would have an opportunity to chat. Um, another tip for meeting people is to arrive very early. Get there as early as you possibly can. Because if you get there early, you'll meet people as they come in, and if the room is pretty empty, it's much, much easier to say hello to somebody when they walk into an empty room and it's just you there than if you walk into a very crowded room where clicks and conversations have already begun. You should also leave late. Uh, once again, this counterintuitive tip, the normal thought would be get out before the valet line gets long. 
But that's not the best thing to do. The best thing to do is to stick around and meet with the people who put on the event because often they're leaders in the organization and, and they might be very good for you to meet and they would know other people. Um, an, another thing that you could do is accept responsibility for being an ambassador. If you were to get involved in an organization, the very best committee to be on is the membership committee or or the ambassadors committee, if they have one, where it's actually your job to walk up to strangers and welcome them to the event. And if you can be in that role, it's unbelievably easy, unbelievably fun, because you actually are given the authority to walk up to strangers and to say hello. And there are several other counterintuitive tips, by the way. I've written an article called 10 Counterintuitive Tips for Working a Room, which appear on my website at conecommunications.com. Do you think that sometimes perhaps people who are a bit socially awkward or maybe introverted, uh, they go to these events and they're like, I need to get business. I need to get some job connections. This is what I'm going to do. And they almost have tunnel vision where if they just went with the attitude, is, oh, this will be interesting. Maybe I'll meet some interesting people and get some interesting stories. The latter approach would probably do better than it's like, I'm out and I'm going to get business. Well, I think that it's unrealistic to expect to get business, but it is realistic to expect to develop the ability to meet new good contacts. So I don't think that you should go just to think, well, let's just see what the world has to deliver, although certainly that can be fun. But people are busy and people are, people are doing this because they want business. The goal is to meet people who can refer business. The goal is to meet people who can be a client. But that doesn't mean to try to do business with them. So it doesn't mean bragging about who you are or what you do. You know, there's this great, great myth that's perpetrated by a lot of marketing consultants that you need to develop some kind of an elevator speech that within 30 seconds explains who you are and gets them excited about what it is that you do. That is absolutely ridiculous. The, the level of trust that's required, the level of information that you need to communicate is so extensive that the likelihood of your having some one sentence that's going to get people uh, excited about you is really very remote. The best advice that I can give with regard to that kind of an elevator speech is to say something like, hi, I'm a lawyer. What do you do? And by asking people what they do, it gives you the ability to learn about who they are, what they do, and then customize your future dialogue so that you can be valuable to them. And once again, the key to your ability to get people excited about you is to not brag about how great you are, but rather to be able to be valuable to them right on the spot. So if you're talking to somebody and, and they explain what it is that they, that they do, you can say, oh, no, really, we, we've created a checklist that can help people in that situation. I'd be delighted to send it to you. What's your thoughts on business cards versus V cards or maybe both? What do you think? Well, the, the most important thing of all is to get the card. And uh, I am perfectly comfortable with people not even giving their card to somebody because if you give your card to somebody, then you're putting the burden on them to follow up with you. And the likelihood of that happening is far less than if you get their card. So there's nothing wrong with giving your card, and sometimes it's helpful, and sometimes it's formal, and, and you'll give theirs, and they'll give yours, and I mean, you'll give yours, and they'll give theirs. So it's okay to give your card, but the goal is to get the card. V-card, same thing. V-cards are wonderful if you can get their card. That's the key. And the way you do that 
is you offer something of value that they would, in order for them to get it, they would need to give you their contact information. So let's say you created some really cool app that, that people would find valuable. Uh, then you can say, well, give me your card and I'll send you a link so that you can download the app that I've developed. Or give me your card and I'll email you uh, the, the checklist of things that you should be thinking about in the circumstance that we talked about. So it, the key is getting the card and be less concerned about handing your card to others. Okay. And what are your thoughts on following up afterwards? Say that, you know, you just met, you weren't able to offer something to help that person with. What do you think about just sending a quick email saying, hi, great to meet you. If I can help you at all in the future, please let me know. Well, one of the most important tips that I can give your listeners is that the only reason you're there is to develop business. And the only way you're really going to develop business is if you follow up. So your first and foremost rule, and you should try to never, ever break this rule, is you always negotiate the follow-up before you leave that conversation so that it's very clear you're going to be calling to get together for lunch. You're going to be calling to arrange to introduce them to another colleague. You're going to be calling because you're going to you know, let them know about an event that you're going to be going to and maybe they want to join you. The rule is you never leave a meeting with a target without negotiating the follow-up. Now, if you break that rule, then the burden is on you to, to follow up. And yes, an email saying it was good talking to you and, and I appreciate the opportunity to visit. But then in that communication, you need to present an offer, some reason that would be valuable for them to want to spend additional time with you. Because if you don't spend time with people, you can't communicate to them all of the reasons that they should trust you, all of the reasons that they should be excited about referring business to you, all of the reasons that are necessary for them to understand, for them to hire you. The key is spending time with your target. So if you don't negotiate that follow-up, you must follow up. And when you do, the follow-up isn't, hey, great great meeting you, let's chat. I mean, that on its face isn't really a valuable offer. I, what I see increasingly is people who are active on social media with their practices will do some networking through social media as well with tags and b- before and after bar events. What do you think about that? We're using photos and hashtags and to kind of maybe break the ice for when you meet in person or keep that connection going for after you've met in person. It's certainly wonderful. Social media is a stunningly important and valuable mechanism for meeting new people and for staying in touch with people. Uh, The risk, of course, is that social media in some way replaces FaceTime. And while, yes, there will be circumstances where social media can actually generate business, in reality, it's more for lead generation and it's more for keeping people aware of you and and brand awareness, that kind of thing. But actually getting people to, to pull the trigger and to hire you, that requires a level of trust and confidence that for most lawyers comes as a result of really knowing you well or really knowing the referral source who brought you in. If there's a really trusted pre-existing relationship with a referral source, then the prospect doesn't need to get to know you that well because they're relying on the trust that they have for the referral source. But social media, as wonderful and as important as it is, 
is often seen as the be-all and end-all, and it is not. You have to have that face time to build that trusting relationship. Do you have any tips on negotiating or navigating, rather, inappropriate behavior at bar events? Like maybe if if it's like a, you know, a, a sexual harassment sort of thing, or sometimes people get a little out of the pocket at bar events, especially if there's alcohol involved. What are your tips on that? I think the best way is to excuse yourself. You're not going to change somebody's behavior if they're acting inappropriately. You can't possibly imagine that you could then develop a relationship with someone who is acting inappropriately and you reprimanded them in any fashion. So if you're dealing with people who are not socially appropriate, I think the best thing to do is to excuse yourself. And do you think that some of the best networking can be done at bar association events, or do you think it maybe is better in other ways? It really depends upon who your targets are. If you're a litigator, then there's a very good possibility you're going to be getting your referrals from other lawyers, in which case uh, bar associations are a wonderful place. If you're a corporate lawyer and you don't do litigation, then litigators might also be good referral sources. I think the weakness that people have is that they often go to bar association meetings thinking that they will double, they'll double up and they'll do both their CLE and their networking. And often those are not compatible. If you're a real estate lawyer and you're going to a real estate CLE, then you have to ask yourself, can I get referrals from other real estate lawyers? And if you can, great. But often you'll come to the conclusion that you really can't get referrals from your competitors. And uh, in that case, uh, bar associations for your area of specialty are not a good place. Once again, as we said, the very first thing, you've got to make sure that you're going to events that targets are present. So the key is to not pick the CLEs that you need CLE credit for, but rather pick the CLEs that are attractive to your targets. And then you go to those. So you might say, well, I'm a corporate lawyer, but I want to go to, I, I, I could get referrals from real estate lawyers. Why wouldn't I look funny going to a real estate CLE? And the answer is no, you wouldn't. Uh, you're allowed to go to any CLE you want, and you're allowed to express interest in any activity you want. And if you could go to events where the topic is interesting to your target, you're going to meet more targets than if you go to one that's just interesting for your own area of specialty. Does your advice for business development, does it differ between a bar event, uh, social events, like a cocktail reception, versus an MCLE seminar? Well, the, the problem with MCLE seminars is that a lot of the time is spent uh, learning and not networking. Cocktail receptions give you the ability to just stand and socialize and then move around and walk to the next person and, and really cover more ground. So the benefit, of course, of a CLE is that uh, you have an opportunity to meet the speakers, and often it's meeting the speakers that are the best targets at a CLE program because let's say your targets are in-house counsel and you've got a panel of in-house counsel uh, that are speaking. That's a wonderful opportunity to walk up to those speakers at the end of the program and introduce yourself and, and find out what's the procedure for getting on your approved uh, lawyer list. And you could be that direct, and we see that a lot. The people are very effective in just walking up to speakers and introducing themselves and, and pursuing a relationship with those companies. So once again, whether it's social or educational, your goal is to meet as many targets as you possibly can 
And that should be the driving force in your deciding whether it should be a social event or a learning event. Okay. And when you mentioned coming up and asking questions to the speakers like that or the guests of honor, I think that some people have this impression that, oh, I don't want to, I might bother someone if I approach them, you know, who am I to approach him or her? But the truth is, is people who are in powerful positions to give business, they expect to be approached because they often are. Would you agree? That's the business that they're in. That's the business that they're in. They know that everybody that they're speaking to wants to get business from them. Do you think the in-house counsel at Google or Microsoft, do you think that they're not aware of the fact that every lawyer in the room that they're talking to wants to do business with them? That's their job is hiring lawyers. So there's no reason to feel uncomfortable. Uh, The key is to feel confident that you could be valuable. If you are a boutique firm and you really have the ability to do something special for uh, the person that you want to introduce yourself to, then clarity of your ability to be valuable is going to motivate you to reach out to that person. But if you think that you couldn't be of any value to them, if you think that you're just you're you're not qualified to interact with them or you, you don't think that you could be helpful to them, then of course you'll be shy. Of course you'll feel uncomfortable and you'll be right. Okay. (laughs) On that note, I think that's everything I wanted to ask you. Did you want to add anything else? I just want to make it really clear that people have a great hostile feeling towards working a room. Some of the most common complaints that that I get from people when we coach them is that they don't like working a room. They're good at the one-on-one, but not working a room. And it's really because they really completely misunderstand what working a room is. Working a room is research. And the more you go to programs where you can find out the information that you want to learn about the quality of an organization and the nature of the people that are involved in it, the more excited you're going to be about your ability to do this. And I've seen people who were recalcitrant non-marketers who hated working a room because they thought it was supposed to be social. It's not social. It's research. Those people, when they learn that, become great at working a room and actually enjoy it. All right. Thank you so much for your time today, Larry. I really appreciate it. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward. Thank you for listening to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered.